Hello and welcome back to the A3 Footy Podcast, back after the Christmas break. We hope you all had a wonderful holiday period, a happy new year and all of that. My name is Alex Catalano and we are back, Alex Miller, rolling on with the season reviews. A lot of news to cover as well coming into 2023, but we're back for the new year. Yeah, what a season it's going to be. Had a huge one and uh, it's great to be back doing the uh, season reviews, but lots to get stuck into and it's uh, happy new year to you boys and to everyone out there. It's been a, it's been a good start so far to, to January, who would have thought? Uh, but yeah, no, lots to get stuck into this episode. Can't wait. Who would have thought? Alex Doherty, it's still cricket season, it's still tennis season, but we're back on the footy anyway. Yeah, no, we've come back. We've come back early. Um, hope you guys had a great break. I mean, I I, I had a I had a great time getting COVID and having my, <laughs> my bank account rorted by buying a new car. And um, but look, it's it's good to be back, and it's good to see Melbourne still the same old Melbourne. You know, it was thirty seven degrees uh, yesterday, and and now and now I woke up this, this morning. And it's pissing wet. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lovely city that we live in for us. Um, oh, was bloody yeah. COVID was going around that Christmas period, so hopefully everybody was all good. After that, but plenty of news in the footy world across the Christmas period as well. We go away for a month and there's bloody news across every single club. Um, a bunch of players moving into training with clubs. Miller, a few that have signed, mm. a few big injuries. I also started off some of the big news that came out yesterday with Paul Seisman from the Crows. Placed on the inactive list for another year. It looks like his concussion issues are not going away anytime soon, um, but I think it's really good by the Crows to stick by him and keep him on the list while he's dealing with all of it. Yeah, it is good stuff indeed. Um, it's a sad situation, what's going on with a couple of players with the concussion protocols, but what we've learned over the last couple of years, boys, and we've talked about on this podcast numerous times, is the player health is the most important thing now, and we've learned a lot in concussion from a medical standpoint, from a footy standpoint, over the last sort of five, six years, come a really long way, so... Yeah, it's tough for Paul. Um, I hear he's in good spirits, though, and looking to positive sort of things in, in this season, more off-field and just getting back to some basic stuff. And, um, yeah, we wish him all the best. And the other one is, is Marcus Adams, Doc, who you'd be familiar with. Uh, obviously, his time at the Bulldogs, but Brisbane had a tough run sort of at the back end of last year, just could not get his – he said he was having some real hard times sort of uh, focus-wise with his – he saw a lot of fuzzy imagery and whatnot and – having a hard time and still he's also been placed on the inactiveness for this season. So that was sad to see. Yeah. Uh, both of them are really, really rough cases. I mean, Seedsman, you know, mm. his last game was 2021. And back then he was being revered as one of the best wingmen in the game. And to see him, I, I don't think he'll play again, Paul Seedsman. I, I, I think, I think it's, it's getting to that point now where it was in a similar situation with Liam Pickin a couple of years ago where he got concussed in a preseason game and it, they he, he was trying to fight to get back on for for well over a year and it hasn't ha- and it didn't work out. Mm. He never played he, ne- he never played a game again. Marcus Adams is is also very sad because from the from the day he stepped in, I thought he was very like you could just see that this this guy has got the tools to be a great AFL defender. Um mm. you know at the dogs, he couldn't get his body right. You know, there's a lot of soft tissue injuries and then moved over to Brisbane where he actually started to get, find some continuity in his game. And towards last year, he was starting to find some really good form and yep. it was, and he was consistently impacting games. And then he had that concussion. I think it was against Carlton late in the year. And then, yeah, he missed finals. And now it's, he's going down the same path season is. And it's very disappointing to see that, but I think as well, it's another stark reminder for the AFL that they've got to, do everything they can to look after the health and well-being of the players. Well, that was a question I was going to ask you, Kat. 
with that perfectly be summed up by mm. Doc. Do you think we'll see more the AFL induce more um, inactive player spots on each team? Do you think, given the severity of these uh, concussion things, and also a little bit more common, unfortunately, these long term ones? Yeah, possibly. Well, look, it's kind of the clubs that are the ones that are doing it at the moment. They're sort of, um, mm. you know, taking the responsibility off their own back because there isn't anything really set up for the players by the AFL, which considering how hard the AFLPA has been on a lot of issues, I'm surprised they haven't yeah. gone a little bit harder on concussion and that kind of thing. Um, but look, I think there, there needs to be some sort of change clearly because, yeah, we have seen a few players. Venables, obviously, is the big one that comes to mind. Yeah. Liam Picken, like Doc mentioned before and now. Um, Seedsman probably likely won't be playing another game again. So they need to do something. Um, I'm glad the clubs are standing by their players at the very least. It's a fantastic look on Adelaide yeah, and what they've done sticking by him and the dogs obviously did very similar with picking as well so i think they're doing everything they can i guess the question out of that then doc is where does this leave brisbane's backline without adams because they're pretty thin in the talls department down back we saw obviously Payne come through this year and turn into a pretty solid player but you know harris andrews is pretty out of form for the first half of last season if he starts that way again uh it's going to be pretty tough for them in the early stretch yeah it's a good question cat um, I did see the reports that um, Dara Joyce, ex-Saint, was training with him. I'm not sure why he'd, why he'd consider that. Um, Don't make the, Cat cry, Doc. Con- con- considering con- When you consider the fact that there's a bloke in the VFL called uh, Ethan Phillips who had an absolute tremendous year in the VFL, uh, didn't get picked up in the draft, um, should should be looked at. Um, and, I, and, I, and I don't doubt that they will, but... At the moment, it sounds like Dara Joyce is training with them and he's doing all the right things. Chris Fagan likes what he sees. But, but yeah, you're right. There's Apart from that, you know, Harris Andrews, we, we talked about his form, you know, last year. It was very, very sketchy. Mm-hmm. Um, whether or not he was playing injured or not, I think it's an entirely different story. But Definitely a possibility that he was. Yeah, but I think, yeah, look, it, it, it does get a bit thin. Um, and then what, happen- and what happens if um, Harris Andrews has another injury? And, and goes down. Mm. It's just uh, it's just one of those things where it's like oh, I I don't think it's going to like it like it might impact Brisbane. Like I don't know where you see them finishing in twenty twenty three, but I think they're right in there to win the flag. But they yeah. need they need their top liners fit and firing at the I, right time I, of the year. Yeah, agreed. And I think the issue as well is boys. Obviously, we saw McStay, you know, change colours to Collingwood this off season. We saw him play a bit of backline in the finals. Cat and, and throughout the season at some stages when they need it. So they've lost the toll down both ends in some respects. And it's strange because when you think about it, considering how quick this decision has been made on Marcus Adams, Brisbane surely would at the trade period would have been looking and the draft at, at a toll just for depth, yeah. um, you'd think. But I don't know. It's just a very interesting situation because Hipwood's obviously re-signed. He's going to be forward for the future. Danaher's obviously going to be there. And if they like Darcy Ford as that sort of second supporting ruck forward and McInerney and Ford don't really go behind the ball to the support. So they're in a bit of danger. So I, Payne will obviously play every game now, you'd say. Um, well, he has to. Has yep. to now. I think that you also might see uh, – it? What's uh, Michael Carter Michael. I reckon he'll get a fair run of it this season given his size and ability. So mm-hmm. I think it'll be an interesting season for Brisbane for sure. But – there's lots of training as you're going, as you mentioned, Cat for some players going for final list spots, and there's some there's some interesting names going around here. Yeah, well, the big name in the off season that I think a lot of us are surprised got delisted, um, Liam Stocker from the Blues. He's currently training with the Saints. 
Um, what do you make of it, Doc? Does he find a spot with Ross the Boss and the crew over there? Uh, yeah, look, I don't know. I, I, I feel like I feel like they've got enough of those sort of players at the Saints where they, their yeah, stock has been tried tried as a tried as a defender last year at Carlton didn't exactly work out. Who would have thought? You know, midfielder being <laughs> being played as a defender. Um, but look, I don't, if if Ross wants him as a midfielder, I don't know. I don't know if there's actually any room for it. I don't think there's any room for him in that Saints midfield at all. I, I could not see him being played as a midfielder. I don't know about you, Miller, but I don't, don't mind him on a wing, possibly, Cat. But mm. no, possibly to pair with Easton, uh, Easton Wood, <laughs> Mason Easton Wood, Wood. Uh, yeah, and obviously Wangley Malira. They see as a long-term winger on that that side. So yeah. possibility. I don't mind. I, I think that Stocker definitely is worthy of a list spot though in the AFL somewhere. Um, yeah, I. I d- I just sorry, Miller. I just don't know if it's in, if it's in Kilda, especially if they're going to give Windhager and um, Mitch, Mitchie Owens uh, yeah, more games right. next next year. And you know, I thought when, Jones... he, when he was sort of the the rumor mill was swirling around him joining us, I would have thought it was a better yeah. fit with us than than the Saints. But agreed, agreed, Cat. I was going to mention that, and that that sort of as well sparked my memory about Tommy Phillips signing with the VFL signed for the Dons, which is a uh, Yes, good news. I love, love that. that. Love that call, getting him in there to sort of help the young boys in the midfield a bit and get them, uh, you know, a bit of development into them. I think it's great leadership to have him down that level, even though I think we've all agreed he probably has something to still offer at AFL level. Well, I think um, he's still fighting for a spot, though, even though he signed to the VFL. So yeah, very true. We do love our um, SSPs <laughs> coming into the year, so no doubt he'll play a blinder of a preseason game or something and we'll say, yeah, Tommy, you're in. Get, get yourself on the wing around one, mate. He's an A3 favourite. We do love him here. Um, oh, the other one as well, which is good, which is Tyler Brand, Doc, which you, you mentioned he, he signed on this morning at, at uh, the Crows. What do you think of that? Yeah, that's not bad. I, I think... I think in in terms of replacing Paul Seedsman, I think it's I think it's pretty good. I think Tyler Brown's the kind of guy that I think needs 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 a fair crack at it. I don't I don't know I don't think he had much of a, much of a go at Collingwood. He probably only played maybe what a handful of games, but I think I think it's a good I think it's a good um sort of depth depth option at this point. I think Adelaide have got a a nice young midfield core that's brewing at the moment. We saw a nice photo of Sam Berry this morning, looking looking all jacked and ready to take a bit, take on about eighty percent of the competition by himself. He looks like he eats twelve punnets of berries a day. The way he's jacked up, he looks bloody performance enhancing strawberries over there at uh, South Australia. He doesn't just eat, he doesn't just eat a couple of wheat bix. He eats a whole box, I reckon, <laughs> and the cardboard included. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't mind the um the addition, given that I think a lot of Adelaide's midfields is very much that hard nut inside type, mm. whereas I think Brown can develop into more of that outside ball user, which is something they maybe lack a little bit outside Frankly, of someone like yeah. a Jordan Dawson. So I, I'm big on the selection. I think he might, even if he doesn't play straight away, um, I think he'll get a few games across the year, just help balance the midfield out a little bit. He adds versatility, Doc. As as Kat mentioned there, and I think that's something that Adelaide have. He's got good length as well. I think you, we look at now the modern day midfielder. We talk about the big boys, tall and strong, and Tyler's definitely got the height, and he's got some really long limbs, which I do love on a on a wing slash sort of inside mid, you know, utility player. I think he'll add something for sure to the Crows. Yeah, I think so too. Um, he only played twenty seven games across five seasons at Collingwood, so. He didn't really get much of a run at it, and I think he's still only probably, twenty years old. What's happening? Tw- tw- 20, 23, Tyler Brown. Okay. 
Uh, still got a lot of footy ter- ahead of him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He'll be 24 in December, so he's still got, pl- as you said, Cap, plenty of footy ahead of him. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to, and he's got length, like you mm. said, Miller. Um, I, I'd like to see him add a little bit more size to it. But I think right now, if they're looking for wing options to cover season, I, I don't think this is a bad option. Well, looking how the Crows' preseason's going, Cat, there's no, there's no doubt that he'll add some muscle. They'll look absolutely insane. We'll be, we'll be getting some uh, dietary advice from uh, F- Filthy Phil and um, and uh, Sam Berry. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, I think he's going to be a good fit, and I think we're all pretty in agreement. So, yeah, good on the selection. Um, the other one, Oleg Markov delisted from the Suns, boys. Mm. Another one we were probably a bit Strange. confused by, but... He's training with the Pies. I'm interested in this one, Miller, because I feel like they've got a fair bit of depth in that sort of half-back position that Markov plays. Um, not 100% on whether he'll get a spot in there, and if he does, whether he'll play too often. I think it's an interesting one because, as you mentioned, when it first happened, I was a bit surprised. I thought Oleg had a really good year, particularly back after the year for the Suns. So Will Powell go, go down. Also, Budrick, you know, a favourite here at A3, the little nutcracker, he, he went down as well. So they're a bit short on personnel, and I don't think Darcy McPherson's the complete answer to that. I don't think he's the answer to many uh, crosswords, let alone footy problems. So uh, I, I think that, look, it's really interesting. I, I think, as you said, he probably doesn't fit the pies in terms of team needs. I have heard, though, Kat, that he's, you know, training as a winger. So... Mm. Interesting sort of take considering Collingwood, they did struggle a little bit with sort of locking down two wingers that they wanted to have out there. They had some good players that rotated through there. We saw Chris spend time there. Um, who else sort of was out there a little bit? Yeah, side bottom. Yes, mm. side bottom. Dacos was probably spent more. I think they're, they're going to play Dacos a bit more as a midfielder uh, this year. And I think, and and look, I think there might be a spot in that halfback line that opens up because who who rebounds the ball out of out of the back line for Collingwood? Well, Quayne's there Quain at the moment. Noble. Yeah. Quayne or Noble, they're not premier they're not premier rebounding defenders. I'm not saying Markov is one either, but I think if you had to pick a rebounding defender out of those three, maybe you'd go Markov before Noble. Oh, it'd be tough. Yeah, I think Quaynor as well as as I heard is he's also training as sort of winger opportunities as well, boys. So there might be some positive moves in terms of career steps for these young guys at, at Collingwood. And I think Markov's a good player. The biggest thing that I heard at the Suns, Doc, is that he's an extremely hard worker. This guy rocks up to training apparently 30 minutes before anyone and he gets his laps in, even though he probably can do them in his sleep. He's that quick and got great endurance. But he gets in and puts in a lot of hard work, Oleg. So I think something that Craig McRae has proven this year, as we've seen, is that he loves someone that works their ass off. So it's a yeah. sniff. Yeah. Oh, look. I think. I think. Look, whether or not he gets, it'll be interesting to see what they do with him uh, going forward. I think he's worthy of a list spot, Markov. My my mail was that he didn't exactly get along with Stewie at the Suns. Um, oh. he, he he apparently there was um there was a bit of a bit of a falling out. Uh, Stewie likes a favourite, um, but and apparently Markov wasn't one of them. But no, there look, I think he I think he deserves I think he deserves I think he deserves another crack, Markov. He's too good to be playing VFL footy. I think he's um, and I, and I think there is a spot. I think he can he can work well with with a guy like Quainor, who's more of a balanced two way sort of defender, can rebound and and defend, and and Noble's more of more of that offensive sort of uh, defender. I think I think Noble can can push up onto a wing. I think yeah, and and and, and get Markov sort of rebounding out of the back line because I think he's a, a just a bit of a better user of the ball. 
Mm. Bit of magnet shuffling going on at the Pies, it sounds <laughs> like, here coming into next season. Uh, well, we're talking about players that are training, but they did have a signing over at the Lions. Miller, some good news for them after the Marcus Adams news. Uh, yeah. Zach Bailey signing through to 2026. Oh, a nice lengthy <clears throat> deal without selling the farm, which we've said a few times. The long-term deals don't know about them, but uh, good faith in him after a really, really good year. Yes, you know how I feel about Zach Bailey, Cat. He broke my heart in the final series, but he always brings a smile to my face. One of the most exciting players to watch in the comp. I think what he can do in the forward line with his limited touches in the midfield, but his impact in there is just incredible. And He's a really exciting player, and I think he's due for another big year. He has constantly improved season after season. I remember sort of halfway through last year, me racking off the season averages for you boys because I was – just smiling galore at what he's produced and he finished off the season fantastically. So great signing for Brisbane and just preparing again, I suppose, for that sort of long-term success in terms of, you know, Dunkley's obviously arrived there and they've still got Lockie Neal, who's a gun and he ain't going anywhere anytime soon. So yeah, good re-signing by Brisbane. I love it. Yeah. I, I, I think what well, we didn't talk about during the uh, Brisbane season review is what Dunkley's addition means for a guy like Zach Bailey. And you've said it best. I think, like you, I love Zach Bailey. I've, yeah. I've, I've loved Zach Bailey for the greatest part of maybe three years, four years now. Um, this kid, this kid just impacts wherever he goes. And I think what was his average? He averaged a goal and a half per game last year. Probably, probably inflated a little bit more for that six goal game he had the <laughs> flash early in the season. But ridiculous. But the, the the facts remain that this guy can hit the scoreboard so consistently, mm. and and the fact that Dunkley arrives means that a guy like Bailey can be a bit more prominent forward of the forward of the ball. I was going to say, are you saying? Do you think you're seeing him as a full time forward this year, Doc? Mm. I'm. I'm not, uh, uh, look, I won't say full time forward. 80, I think 20, he's 80-20 split. I reckon 75 25. Oh, there you go. Five percent difference. Cat, yeah, what do you <laughs> well, yeah, well, look, there, thereabouts. I think he starts. He starts games up forward. I think you'll get named every week in the forward line mm. um, because you've just got too much stacked depth in that midfield <laughs> group now. I mean, it gives you plenty of options to rotate through, which is always good for fakes. But yep. um, yeah, I think he's set for a huge season. We'll kick. Oh, how many did he kick this year, boys? He would have I'm going to kick 40 this year if he plays 80-20 if he plays. Last season, he kicked 37. I think he's definitely got to be a 40-plus goal season this year for Zach Yeah, Hadley. I think so. I yeah. think it's very, uh, very achievable. I, I, think I, said, I think I said last year that uh, Jack Gunston was going to kick 40 goals for Brisbane. Um, <laughs> This year, oh. and I think I, I think it'll be. I think those two will be their top two goal kickers. Who's eighty <laughs> between them? Just throw another goal. another handful of goals in that in that forward line, Doc. Don't mind it. Yeah, no. Let, let Joe Danaher be useless running around like a <laughs> two two meter bloody inflatable balloon man. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, we'll move on to North Melbourne, gentlemen. Uh, Jack Evil stepping down as captain. For next season and beyond, uh, after a strong stint uh, in the role, obviously he's been Norse captain for the better part of the last decade and has, uh, you know, he's he led them quite well, I would say. The man bleeds for North Melbourne and I think he, the fans very much uh, sort of reflected that in the announcement with um, they're very, very positive about his tenure and everything he's done for the club. But they move into a new era, Miller, and obviously the speculation begins as to who's going to be taking over the role next. Where do we see it going from here? Yeah, look, it's a good point. I think as you just perfectly summed up there as well, Kat, Zabel's done a great job. It's always a tough time when you're going through sort of what North have been through, and he's been there through the highs and the lows. He played finals, and then he's played uh, nowhere near finals. Uh, so, yeah, look, I think 
an obvious candidate is to a guy that you guys both spoke about sort of off air, which was Jai Simkin. I'm very much on that bandwagon. I think that what he's done from a leadership point of view with his on-field action is something that I think Clarko will drive with high standards. I think you saw that at Hawthorne during his tenure. You know, with Mitchell and Hodge involved as those captains and leaders, they were really good players, obviously, and they led on field as well as great leadership skills. Uh, Luke McDonald, we don't want that. Uh, <laughs> I don't think so. I wouldn't mind seeing um, Larky in the leadership group, given what he's sort of been there through. Um, he was and, in the leadership group last year, Larky. Yeah, good. Yeah, keep him in there. Keep him in there. Yep. Don't go anywhere. So, Elevate yeah. him to vice captain. Yeah, I wouldn't mind that. But I think, yeah, Jai Simkin is the pretty unanimous sort of call from what I'm hearing. Uh, look, uh, as much as I'd want to see Simpkin full-time, just, just Simpkin, because uh, like you, like Luke McDonald's not that good of a player. He's got heart. He's got heart. I can see him as a, as a bit of a bit of a Nick Maxwell type of captain. But I think Simpkin for just, I think just the overall driver of standards, he's been so solid for the last couple of years during North's darkest period. I, I think it, I think it makes sense for him to be the captain. But I would also... I wouldn't be too shocked to see both McDonald and Simpkin as co-captains for the next year or two, yeah. and then and then have McDonald give up the captaincy to Simpkin in in year three of Clarkson's tenure. Mm. I can just see Simpkin being um, or McDonald being vice captain, sorry, and having Simpkin as captain going from there, something like that sort of setup. Um, but uh, look, yeah, I think that cool. they've got the clear candidates there. Someone like a LDU is sort of primed for the future, I think. Um, he'll probably be the next in line after whoever gets it this time around. A few Norse fans I've seen that are calling for him to get it now, but I think it's maybe a little bit too early. Uh, yeah. Still a little bit too fresh into his career for the kid. <laughs> we, we, we don't want another Jack Trengrove type situation where he was named captain like 21 and then turned in, then just absolutely completely fell off the radar. Yeah, yeah, we, mashed potato. We, we would like to avoid that. Um, I think he's got plenty of footy ahead of him still to play before he thinks about being a captain, but... Ben Mackay, Cat, I, I don't mind as another name they've tossed up. As yeah, a bit of, of a wild card one I've seen around too. A few people are interested in seeing him get the the top job, but I think he'll definitely be in the leadership group. Yeah, um, yeah. For sure. uh, I, and yeah, Harry like... as well, from somehow from Carlton. <laughs> <laughs> Harry just getting all the inside information, hey? Yeah. But <laughs> I think, yeah, we're going to get North's uh, season sort of review and preview stuck into a sec, but we'll, we'll rack off these other things quickly, Kat, that we've got there, the injury stuff. Yeah, well, one close to your heart, mate, Josh Gibkiss, unfortunately going down with a really bad hammy. Um, really poor timing for the kid. He had a great season in his debut season last year, but going to have an interrupted preseason now, unfortunately. Yeah, look, it's a shame, Josh Gibkiss. I think uh, me and Doc were talking a bit, even sort of pre-Christmas, about he's due for a big year. And unfortunately, yes, yeah, all the news on the hammy did not look good uh, from all reports. But we've got a couple of guys lined up sort of to replace. I think Narkel's the one that's been training with us sometimes. Apparently lost four kilos and put on eight in muscle. So that's, uh, that's really good news. I don't know but how. Will, but will it help him get the footy? That's what Maybe. that's what I, that's what I want to know. Yeah, he only weighs about twenty five kilos anyway. So uh, look, I think that yeah, Gibkiss is a big blow. Uh, Tommy Brown sounds like that the guy that's going to be uh, getting a lot of possible early usage cat in the season because mm. we love to throw someone in the deep end. Biggie Neon as well, obviously re-signed, and I actually was impressed with the two games that Biggie played. And there's talk as well, uh, Ben Miller back behind the ball, but all his preseason has been forward. So I'm really excited to see what he produces. On you lo- you love Ben Miller. I do. 
Just not because we're not even related, but we are. But because he's the effort, he's the effort man, Doc. You see him go forward, back, um, ruck. He just plugs the hole and does his role. He's never going to get fifteen, you know, twenty touches. He's going to get you know seven or eight and kick a goal or get twenty hit outs or it just did the little things. Ben, you know, he's good. He's, he's a good. He's a good little role player, Ben Miller. I'm, no, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh, no, no, no sign of what Samson Ryan's doing this year. Or... <laughs> Um, no, no thanks. No chance. Nah. Uh, <laughs> Nathan Kruger has suddenly gone shoulder reconstruction, Doc. Uh, a bit of a blow for the Pies. I thought he showed a bit of potential last season, but once again, his injuries seem to just keep picking up for this poor guy. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's unfortunate. Yeah, he, he had some games last year where he was starting to come through and show a little bit of promise, but he just keeps he just keeps getting pegged down by these injuries, and it's just like he's. Heading into the prime of his career now at twenty at twenty three, he goes twenty four in June, I think mm. it is. But it look, it opens the door for a guy like Billy Frampton who came in, uh, who came in at the end of last season. Where he plays, I'm not entirely sure. I, th- I think he could be played as a key forward. Mm. They, they've always been talking about that. Ed Allen apparently been training really well as well, Cat. Oh, um, we, we, well, you we, know, we you, you boys are both very, very high on Ed. I know you uh, wanted him at the dogs, didn't you, Doc? Yeah. Oh, look, I'm not, I'm not bad about getting uh, my boy Big Buster uh, down at the down at the kennel, but I would have loved I would have loved Ed Allen all the same. Yeah, well, it's going to be tough for us, Doc, because now we have two Eds in the comp that we love. We love Ed Richards and we love Ed Allen. We can only have one each, so who's going to who's going to take the the Richard? Who's going to take the Allen? Um, yeah, look, I'm a, I'm going to have both. <laughs> can I take both? Can I take can both? I take both? Yeah, guys, it's, it's a good call, Doc. A couple of guys who can really mm. make the most of their chances here now, and hopefully, well, they've also got a uh, Charlie Dean still in the wings as well. Really highly rated out of the VFL and didn't get to play at all last year because of injuries too. So he's another one that could get a look in possibly um, if Kruger's out for the better part of the early bit of the season. So we should see how he goes uh, in this season as well because didn't get a chance. But speaking of guys who didn't get a chance, bloody hell, Miller, Jack Hayes, this poor guy cannot catch a break. Out for the early part of the season with a foot injury. And after missing the whole of last year with the ACL, this poor guy has showed so much potential in those couple games. And now he's not going to get to play for, I think it's at least around six or seven uh, in the early part of the season. Yeah, yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt him for sure. He needs to get his body right because he's, he's looking really good in terms of what everyone sees from him. He'll be 27, I believe, uh, next year, or he might be a little bit older because he's a late bloomer, as we know. So, yeah, that's a bit of a blow. And the other one, obviously, the Saints... Uh, counterpart Max Kings is a big one. Uh, the the shoulder injury Doc apparently just did it at training, going up for a mark and overextended as he reached back to grab it, uh, which is a bit sort of innocuous, but uh, bad enough that it's you know putting him out till the start of the season. I think he should be back round three or four maybe. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. It's bad bad news for Cooper Gretsch who had the Saints in the top eight um, in in his early predictions. Um, uh. it, it, no, the, the, these are two really big blows structurally. Mm. As we know, as we know, Max King kicked over fifty goals last year and was just a uh, was just single handedly kept St Kilda in a lot of their games. Um, if we're being brutally honest, Jack Hayes with Paddy Ryder retiring now, it opens up the door for him to be the second up to Barge Marshall, and uh, and that and now. Hayes is out for ten weeks. He probably won't be back until maybe what round, round six, round seven. Um, Max King's in doubt for the first half of the year, and, and even then, it might take him maybe another month or two to really find that form again. That, mm. that he, that, so that that already compromises St Kilda's first half of the year. 
Like how how are they, they going to get their goal goals? Who are they going to kick to? We saw Tim Membry play a little bit more as 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 a centre half forward type option that could roam up the ground last year. He's going to have to be a little bit more deeper now with with him gone because I don't know who exactly mm. is going to be the targets at St Kilda. Well, it might have to be it might have to be Cooper Sharman. It might have to be Josh Battle. I was going to say I reckon it might be Sharman, but it probably sucks because I reckon Timmy Membry County would have come post season thinking all right, rub rubs his hands together, goes I'll have Hazy back, yeah. and I'll have King back, and another big season to support me, and he sees they're both injured, and he goes, well. It sucks. <laughs> well, let's start. <laughs> yeah, might, it's might, be... might, it might be Zane Cordy or Tom Campbell. Oh, Cat. okay. Stop, stop <laughs> you right there, Doc. Don't be stupid on air. Oh, they get stupid. Zane Cordy in that forward line. You just pack it up already. See this done before it started. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's God, just no would... point no point that... carrying on from there that would be disgusting uh, <laughs> uh, the man over at the Blues boys who's the early part of the season last year we thought he was going to miss a bunch of footy and once again a bit of concerns this year with Sam Walsh uh, having a bit of surgery on his shoulder I believe it was Yep. Um, so he's looking to miss the early part of the season we were saying off air before we started though Miller that they said the same thing about him uh, at the start of last year and he only missed two games yeah, so, well. uh, <laughs> so he's probably going to be fine. Yeah, probably. Does it worry you, Cat? Just sort of in the back of your mind with these little things with Walshy in terms of you know a couple of things now delaying his preseason and interrupting them the last two years. Oh, I mean, I think you have to be a bit worried. He still played pretty bloody good footy last oh, yeah. year, even with a disrupted real. preseason, but. Uh, it's not the kind of thing you want on a guy who's still only 22 and has still got the, you know his entire career ahead of him to already have had two pretty major off-season issues. Um, so hopefully it doesn't affect him too much. Uh, it sounds like, look, it's a similar sort of time frame to last year, which you never know. He could come back early, but um, I think their midfield stock with the level of depth they've built in there, I think they'll be okay. I think they should be able to, to cover without him. I, I think in to answer that question, to answer that previous question, Miller, I think short term it won't worry him, but I worry about the long term. Mm. When he gets to his when he gets to his prime, I could like if he keeps if he keeps going on this trajectory, and on top of all the expectations that we got that we as fans and and people in the media have for a guy like Sam Walsh, I think it all disintegrates by the time he's twenty eight, twenty nine, and I don't want that. No, for the record, I do not want that. Nobody does. Nobody does. I, I that's just my worry. It's, um, it's a good I'm, question, I'm, though. It's a great but, point. But, yeah, look, to, to answer your question about the midfield, cat. I think, look, in terms of the first month, I think they'll be okay. Uh, I think this, this is what they brought in, you know, guys like Cherifor, you know, a couple yeah. of seasons ago. You know, I think that and, – and Patrick Cripps has had a really good uh, preseason as well so far from what, from what I've heard. So a lot, a, lot of it, a lot of it will be centred around him, but there's also really good support acts surrounding him. Uh, you know, Kennedy had a good had a good start to the um had a good twenty twenty two. I think you could see guys like potentially maybe Zach Fisher push up into the midfield a little bit more. You could see a guy like um like Brody Kemp maybe start to get games in the middle if he if he starts working. But uh, I think look and and George Hewitt as well is another is another guy that's been that's been talked about a lot over the last twelve months. The the, the midfield's okay for for the first month whilst he recovers. And but even then, like they're saying, he's going to miss maybe what the first month, five six weeks. Mm, yeah, it, it, I, th- I think he, I, I think knowing knowing how he's how he's how he's acted so far and how his body's responded, this guy's like the bloody Terminator. He'll he'll come he'll come he'll come back probably like th- two to three weeks earlier than than scheduled. And better than ever too, I'm sure, Doc. Yeah, <laughs> without a doubt. But the way he came back last season and looked like he hadn't bloody skipped a beat. So yeah, hopefully and- he's all good. 
And yeah. also, Paddy Dow still exists. So <laughs> well, that's, uh, also, that's, all, that's also an option. <laughs> Don't tell the old fans that. They won't like that, uh, <laughs> hearing that he's still around. I thought he was just um, going to be playing VFL ever again again this year. <laughs> oh, look, maybe, maybe that's the option. Does but... he play round one now with Walsh out? Uh, Paddy Dow. Yeah, I say yes. Uh, I still think the midfield will be Cripps, Kennedy, George Hewitt, Adam Chera. I say yes. I feel he'll be in there. He might be the medic sub. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that might be the best. They're not doing Oscar McDonald again this year, Doc. Oh, my oh, God. Ah, no. Don't give me flashbacks <laughs> around one saying that spud torture. Oh, well, there's a bit more news, but we'll cover that in the next season review yeah. episode because there's a fair bit to get through. We'll crack into the North Melbourne review, gentlemen. Uh, we certainly save these boys for a good point. Uh, it's going to be only up from here for them, but uh, an interesting season for North Melbourne, Miller. Another real... Also- Bottom out. Oh, yes, doc. Sorry. Sorry, sorry, Kat. Just before we go on to the um the season review, just an, just some just some quick uh breaking news from the AFLW. Daisy Pierce has announced her retirement. Okay. Um, there you go. Re- retiring as a premiership captain at Melbourne. So good on good on Daisy. Um, probably uh the great the great way to bow out. You'd love to, you know a bit like Joel Selwood, but who cares? We're not we're not counting. Um. <laughs> But yeah, fa- a fantastic career uh, has been the the name and face of women's football for the greatest part of over a decade now. Mm. Um, even before the competition was brought to bear, the the exhibition games, she was the um she was the uh, the face of, of of the exhibition games. Just a just a quality player, quality person, great media personality. I'm looking forward to seeing more of her off season. Um, uh, sorry, more more of her during the men's season, more of her during the women's season. I expect her to do some comments on that. Um. Some thoughts, boys? Well, I think it's just a illustrious career and I think what she's achieved, obviously being there as one of the inaugural players is a tough thing to do because all the eyes are on you and she was a big marquee player and I think that what she's achieved on and off the field has been something that has been uh, incredibly important for not just the AFLW but for women's sport in general and she's a great sort of hallmark of um, Australian women athletes in what she's done in the last sort of you know, seven years and what she's going to do in the next sort of, you know, 10 to 15 is what's really exciting, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Couldn't say it better. I mean, I think we all sort of um, thought at the start of this season if Daisy wins a flag, she'll probably um, call it. And she did just that with a huge list of accolades, honestly. You know, beyond the AFLW, she's three-time club best and fairest, three-time All-Australian, was Melbourne captain, obviously, for every year other than the year she was out. Um, giving birth to her kids, premiership player now, and of course in the VFLW as well, 10-time premiership player, captain of Darabin for nine seasons, six-time Helen Lambert medalist, um, two-times Lisa Hardman medalist, and five-time club best and fairest of the Falcons as well. That's actually so the accolades really speak for themselves. There's no doubt in my mind that um, Daisy will probably be one of the first players inducted into the AFL Hall of Fame. I think You'd have to say her and Aaron Phillips are pretty close to a shoo-in um, to get in there in terms of players from this yep. comp. But um, just well done to her on a fantastic career and good luck to her with everything in the future. Obviously, she's got her media role and moving into the coaching job as well, Doc, um, at the Cats, where she's going to be doing that. Um, I believe it's a development role, something similar to that. Um, so she's got plenty lined up ahead of her outside of playing already. Yeah, that's uh, it's a good shout and. She she's gonna be oh, look. I'm looking forward to the day that she comes back to the AFLW and coaches a women's team because she she is that knowledgeable and that smart and just knows about the game back to front that she's just too invaluable 
to not have on board yeah. as, as, as a senior coach. Absolutely. Well, yeah, congratulations, Daisy, on a fantastic career and couldn't be any better way possible to go out um, and on the highest note you could. It'll be interesting seeing Melbourne without her next season, um, considering that she's been there from the very start. It won't look and, right, Cap. No, well, not just Melbourne, but the competition in general, I think. Um, right. It'll be very, very interesting. We're sort of starting to move into the next era, I feel like. Mm. A few of these players starting to retire. Maybe Aaron Phillips, Cora Staunton, a few that might be next. Uh, never know, right. but 2023 will tell that. We'll take a look back at 2022, gentlemen, the point we're here for in the first place. North Melbourne... The season review, uh, another year down the bottom, Miller, for North uh, after obviously sort of selling the farm and getting down to the bottom of the ladder last season. Um, uh, with everything, there are positives out of every season. What did you see as the positives for North this year? Yeah, look, it was a season of tough, tough times, Kat. But I think that one thing that I was impressed more with the last 12 months than the previous one is player development. I think we've got a section coming up in a sec for most improved, and there's a lot of players that are going to stick up their hands for this. I think, though, what we've seen from the young guys on this list um, have really progressed, particularly a lot of the second, third-year players are really kicking on into better areas. You see Curtis Taylor took big leaps this year. Bailey Scott is a, is a shout for most improved, which we'll get to soon. Um, I really think that as well, hate to say it, but I think that uh, Lockie Young, even played well in a few games he played. Uh, smirk on Doc's face uh, when you say that, man. Of that. But even, yeah, I just think that he's really impressed. Tom Powell, what we saw from him was impressive. And Paul Curtis is a young guy that we talked about lots. And the only sort of annoying one is we didn't get to see Will Phillips get on the park, which we will obviously for this year. But mm. Lazaro um, was a great one. Goethe in the games he played. Spicer in the games he played. Flynn Perez as well. Eddie Ford in the games he played. All these young guys have shown that they're going to be there for the long term and be really good players. So that's a positive I would take out of this year. Yeah, massive positive really, Doc. It was always going to be a year of building for North Melbourne. And I think they obviously didn't win many games. Um, we didn't expect them to win many games. But... I think another positive for me is that they did still get a lot out of their veterans as well. And the main guy that stands up to me in that regard is Todd Goldstein, who is still playing like he's at his peak, at his prime at the moment, uh, which I don't know how, um, but he's really (laughs) still managed to capture some of his best form. And given they've got a lot of these young rucks that still are developing and need to come through, having him still at his best uh, is pretty valuable for this team. I know, Miller, you mentioning Lockie Young as, as a player that I, I give a lot of. Another player that I that I give a lot of, and I thought actually played, improved a lot in the games he played this year, was Tristan Cherry. Yep. Um, I, there was a, I, read something, I read something yesterday on Twitter about somebody uh, doing, doing notes about Norse match sim. Apparently, he did very well. Will Phillips was another one you mentioned before. He looks like he'll, he'll play more games this year. Mm. Hopefully, like he, this this kid needs this kid needs a big break because he's had his, his first two years has been hampered by a lot of injury issues. Um, and I just like to say, and look on field results wise wasn't a good year. I mean, I think they got they got belted by about eight goals or more in literally nearly every game they played, oh. um, with the exception of some, but. Look, I think I'm with you. I think the um the, the, the development of these players, you know, it's good to see also good to see Ben Cunnington return as well. Oh yes. He, That's one um, the the positive of the season really for North. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and look, we can talk we we can jest about North season, but it's great to see Ben Cunnington back out and playing. I think he'll he'll he should be he should play most games next uh, next year. He's had a 
pretty uninterrupted preseason from what I've read. Um, so I think he, he he just makes that he just makes the north midfield look uh, walk taller. You imagine a midfield next year with Ben Covington, Davies Uniac, you know guys like Jai Simpkin that that, that run through there as well, and mm. and 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 possibly a guy like Will Phillips and George Wardlaw will probably see some minutes oh, yes. as well. That is it's an not, exciting prospect. <laughs> yeah, look, yeah. it's it's not bad. Uh, it's it's not it's not a bad time to be a North sport, despite winning what maybe like two games in the last two years. <laughs> I'm very bullish on them next season. But what what didn't work do you think this year, Kate? Given well, I know there's that on stage. Well, um, <laughs> where, where do we start there? <laughs> Before we get to the negatives, with that, but just uh, um, getting forty goals, nearly forty goals each out of uh, Larky and Zerha, I thought was a really good return mm. for the season as well. Good to see them both developing um, very, very nicely. Uh, so that's a huge positive. But what didn't work, mate? Uh, it's it's easier to say what actually did than what didn't because. Oh, hell, not a lot went right for North Melbourne in this season. Um, basically, everything that could go wrong did go wrong. Uh, you know, losing David Noble, obviously, I think has got to be the big one, Doc. Um, the fact that he was only there for a couple of seasons and now they've moved on to another coach again. Obviously, good for them to have Clark in as an established coach, someone who's going to set some really hard standards and move them forward for the future. But just that instability that came with that, I think, you can't look at that and say that that helps them at all. It's uh look, I think twenty twenty one they won how many games? They won four or five games, and they were actually competitive in a lot of their in a, in a lot of their losses towards the back end of the year. And we thought we all thought, oh yeah, this is great. You know, David Noble set the tone for twenty twenty two. Hopefully, they get an extra extra win or two. They only won two games this year, um, and so and with that, yeah, I think from. The game against Brisbane in round three when they lost by 18 goals. And then there was the report where a lot of the players were upset about Noble launching the spray at him. That's where it all started to roll downhill. Yeah. It started. It snowballed and snowballed and snowballed. And I think it was the game against Geelong where they lost by, by 112. Um, that was the final straw, I think. And I think, look... We can look at look. Maybe Noble set the set the blueprint for these guys. They know how to play, and I think last year proved it. They were they were they were a solid contestant team. You know, in the second half of the year, they were very respectable in their games after being belted in the first half of the mm. year. I think Clarko's got them poised and primed for a for a decent year. I I, I think you'd like I'd like to see them win maybe at least five to six, just as a low bar. But I wouldn't be surprised if they won eight. I'm pretty with, bullish with, on North next year, which we'll get stuck into where we think they'll finish soon. But, yeah, I, but ha- I don't know. But, yeah, having said that, the entire situation with Horn Francis as well was pretty poor. Yeah. Um, you know, probably – but I think in defense of North, they handled that brilliantly. They got they got picks two and three out of it, and they and they got yeah, they got Harry Sheasel and, and George Wardlaw out of that trade, and both of them will be in their best 22 by the end of next by the end of this year. Yeah, I would say that was going to be my point on what didn't work. I think yes, the off-field side of it, uh, sorry, off-season side of it in terms of the trade worked. I think how they handled it during the year though, cat was very blurred lines. I think there were so many different versions of what was happening and stories about ice bars and training standards and going off at Goldstein and just getting thumped every week sort of just compiled the wrong way for everyone probably involved at the club. You know, Jason mm. was being rubbed the wrong way, that the team wasn't getting the results and they weren't getting the output they desired from him. So 
I think that that was something for me that was very frustrating because as I've said probably about 26,000 times on this podcast, I'm still very split over this whole thing with Horn Francis. I understand both sides of it, um, but I just think that from his point of view in the club, it just wasn't handled the right way during the season. So that was something for me that was a bit disappointing to see. And regarding the coaching changes, I think it's sort of a thing of one step forward with Clarko, but two steps back in terms of how they got there, you know, sort of sacking what was just there, as you mentioned, Kat, for a short time with Noble and sort of maybe the board a bit unrest and some of the players being frustrated with that. So I don't know. I do think North, though, if you look at the start of last year to – this year, I would say list-wise, coach-wise and everything, they're in a much better position, I would say. Oh, absolutely. They they moved forward, I think, from everything that happened last season and clearly have made an effort to move forward from all of that. Um, it's, it's hard to say that <laughs> you can look at the season as an overall positive because it really wasn't. It's a hugely poor year for the club. Mm. Um, but with that said, they... Made the best of it, I think. When we talk about Horn Francis getting yeah. moved on for good picks and Clarko coming in, and they've got such a good depth of young talent now that everything that did go wrong sort of, well, at least they'll be hoping will lead to something better. <laughs> Give me something. <laughs> they need it to lead to something better. Otherwise, it's going to be another five years of misery over at North Melbourne. Um, but looking at the positives again, we'll move into the most improved players. We spoke a bit about them before, but there's a lot of options to look at out of this team, Doc. Um, I'm going to kick us off and say, um, for mine, Paul Curtis, this kid, um, I was very, very amazed at what this kid was able to do in just one season, going from, um, a kid that was on the list that no one had ever heard of before to coming in and cementing a spot, kicking 12 goals. Uh, I thought the way that he managed to really make a name for himself um, was fantastic, given that of all the kids that I picked up over the Mm. last couple of years, he was probably one of the ones that flew under the radar the most and had very, very little talk about him. Yeah, great call, Kat. I like that one. That's uh, that's a good shout. That that is a good call. Uh, I mean, I did the deep dive on him uh, last year at some point. I think it was was after they beat Richmond Miller. Yes, thank you. And we... <laughs> and we talked, and we talked about the, um, and we talked about just how how clever he is around around goals, particularly around that half forward line. He know he knows how to find the ball, and he knows yeah. how to make the most of his opportunities when he gets when he gets a look at goal. I love his so, dexterity as well, Doc. He's something that underrated because he's quite he's quite a big boy. He, he he's 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 got some size about him, doesn't he? Yeah, like, a bit of a stocky he, fella. I like it. He's 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 that mid size. Uh, he's that mid size at one eighty five, and yeah, he could probably put on a few more kilos, but. I, I, I like what he like what he offers, and I, I hope that Clarko sticks with him in that forward half uh, this year. Yep. Well, my most improved was a guy I sort of racked off before. Bailey Scott Boys is a guy that I thought had a yes. tremendous season. So, last couple of years, 2020 and 2021, he played mainly as a forward, kicked eight goals from seven games and uh, eight goals from 13 against the season. But this season went to another level, played 21 games this season. Only kicked the three goals, but his numbers are off the charts. He had 137 more disposals than the previous season, and his averages are up across the board. He averaged 18 touches this year um, to go along with two tackles, and his metres gained have shown where he's gone from the wing to the forward, boys. He's at 311 this season. His career previous average was 220, so he's gone up about by almost 100 100 metres gained. But I loved his season. I thought that he really has progressed extremely well. He's a great size, 186, great speed on the wing, got a great tank as well. 
22 years old, he's going to be a player, I think, that will be on that wing for the next five to seven years at least. Good call, Mel. Big on that. Good call. Um, my most improved is not Jaden Stevenson. Um, <laughs> is there a most unimproved? <laughs> uh, um, look, if, if we're if we're doing if we're going to roles reverse, you're oh, probably gonna... you're better than that. <laughs> um, look, you boys have racked off my two favourites, but I'm I'd, I'd like to talk about Luke, Luke Davies Uni. Oh yeah, season. somebody had to. Here we go. Because oh, look, maybe it's low hanging fruit, and 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 his and his um and his averages this year. Slight, sorry, last year slightly up on on twenty twenty one, but the facts remain that is that this kid is just ready to explode as a player. Yeah, but uh, you know his, his disposal averages went up by two, average twenty two in, in twenty one, average twenty four, nearly twenty five per game last year, average nearly five point three clearances this year from you know that's up from four and a half last year, nearly five inside fifties per game and four point three tackles per game as well. So. All, all those numbers are up from last year, and even his contested numbers, 9.5 in 2021, 11.5 this uh, last year, 2022. This kid is going to be the number one midfielder at North this year. Yeah. It's not going to be Ben Cunnington. It's not going to be Jai Simpkin. Both of them are good leaders. I think Simpkin's more of a more of a runner, more of a running sort of midfielder. Davies Uniac is the guy that you want burrowing in in, in the contest in the contested spaces hmm. to clear it out to clear it out to guys like to, to guys like Simpkin, guys like, you know, Paul Curtis and guys like uh and guys like Bailey Scott, not Jaden Stevenson, not Kane Turner. Um but Luke Davies Uniac for mine is probably was probably in terms of just genuine impact on games, is is as is the most improved for mine. Yeah, it was a good call, Doc, and in hindsight, uh, he probably is the most improved player on the team, but we all want to make sure we get something different in, uh, not yep. to say the same bloke, but uh, he's the way that he came on, he is going to be one of the genuine star midfields of this competition in if, a year or two. Um, he's going to be right up there with that group of Brayshaw and Petrarca and Miller and all of them that were in the running for the Brownlow this year. So I can't wait to see what he does this season. I think he's going to be a big part mm. of how they improve in the years to come. Um, the MVP as well, gentlemen. Um, I'll throw it to you first, Miller. It's always hard to pick a player who is most valuable when you only win a couple of games in a year. But who would you choose out of North Melbourne this season? Yeah, it's a good call, Kat. There's lots of good names. I mean, Doc's one just mentioned, Davis Uniac, the two forwards in Larky and Zerho, as you mentioned before. But Jai Simkin, for mine, just has to be it. I think that his year was absolutely insane. I think the hardest thing on a team finishing bottom two is having someone that comes out and gives effort and averages about 25 to 30 a week. And Simkin's done that. He averaged 26 this year, but... His numbers on the season went up dramatically, Cat. He's ranked elite for kicks this year for a, for a player, which is fantastic for a mid. His clearances went up for his career average of 3.8 to 5.3 uh, this year. So that's a fantastic turnaround. He also kicked the third highest goals he's ever kicked in a season, and he set a career high for most tackles laid in a season, 95 this year. So I think he had a tremendous season. And as I said, it's hard coming out each week and competing at the highest level and showing that, you're unstoppable and doing your best. And I think that he did that. And he was really good and impressive again for mine. And yeah, I think he'll be the captain for sure. I might just go Goldstein, gentlemen. I think, like I said, he's playing his absolute peak still uh, well into his 30s, which I think is something that really needs to be, you know, applauded. Um, Toddy had a great year. He still looks like one of the best Ruckman in the comp. Maybe not up there with the top five, but he's well and truly still in the top 10 
sort of group. I thought he was fantastic across the season. Um, and there's really not anything I could say to disparage what he managed to do. Like I said, he's got a couple of youngsters to really lead the way for um, this year, and he's about to hit his 300th game as well. In round five, he'll play his 300th if he plays every game. So um, I think his career has been one that will probably be looked back on in a few years as, geez, yeah, that bloke was all right. He was a fairly decent ruckman in an era where there were some pretty bloody good ones. Um, so great year for Toddy. He's my MVP, I think. Doc? Like that. It's a tough one. I Look, we talked about Bailey Scott before, but I'd like to break down a little bit more of what he did. He finished in the top three of the best and fairest uh, last year, which is, look, you'd like to say, look, considering it's a two-win two season, it's, it's it's pretty good for a guy to come in. He played he played almost every game, missed one game uh, d- during last year, averaged career highs all across the board, marks, disposals, uh, rebound 50s, um, and, and uncontested possession. So he was sort of balancing himself between a spot in the wing and, and a spot at halfback. He was doing a lot of the drive out of, out of that defensive half uh, last season. And I think that goes a long way into what he's capable of as a player. Uh, and I, I think he's, he's a guy that knows how to use the ball really, really well. He's a, he's a guy that I think he's still yet to enter the prime of his career. He's only, he's only 22. He's only 22. He turns mm. 23 in July. So there's still a lot of football for him to go, but for me, I think that's yeah. He this he's got a very very high ceiling. Hmm. He, he he does. He and it needs he still needs to get a little bit of muscle onto his frame. But I think the way he's going, the way he's playing, the way he's conducting himself as yeah. that sort of you know sort of winger slash halfback flanker, I think I think he's proven himself to be a very valuable piece in North's team this year. Yep. Uh, last year, I like that. Yeah, big on the call, Doc. All right, I think that's three very, very good MVPs there. Three boys who had very good seasons all around. But very, very good boys. the important thing, looking forward to 2023, Miller, it's a huge season for for North Melbourne from here. Obviously, new coach with Clarko, um, moving past the Horn Francis debacle, um, plenty of kids to develop and so on. What do they need to do this season to be successful and what's to come for the future from here? Look, I think it's going to be a season of progression again, Kat. I, as I said, I think that this list is in some really good shape. I think I love their off-season acquisitions at the trade and draft table. I think Griffin Logue will add something to a much-needed um, strength in the back line for sure. Um, and I think as well that uh, Kane Turner somehow earning a list spot is going to be – I don't know how he's done it, but he has. He's a disgusting young man. Don't know how he's done it. But, uh, <laughs> uh, and I think that I think that he'll be really good. I do, don't do mind as well the veteran heads that Hawthorne's um, – that Hawthorne have now added <laughs> almost are from North. So they've got Shields, obviously, and Howe coming over from, from the Hawks, which are good. I, I think it's mainly going to be, yeah, those guys they brought in. Dusty Tucker's the one that we talked about. But the draftees that Doc mentioned before, Wardlaw – uh, the big chisel, um, I think they're all going to be good. It's nice to see Cooper Harvey as well get involved there. I love mm. that. So um, I think they're going to be in for a really, really good year in terms of progression. I think the main thing will be playing to their strengths. I think one thing that this team can bring is chaos and speed. I don't know if they can, they've can. they got the skills yet, but they're going to keep trying and executing, and I'm sure a coach like Clarko is going to get them there. But I think, yeah, if they can play to their strengths, I've got them finishing you know, anywhere between – 13 and 14th, I think. I think they'll win enough games this year that there'll be a team to be um, worried about playing from week to week for a little scalp. Yeah. I, I'd like to I'd like to point out a couple of things. First of all, I'd like to see North 
tackle a bit more. They were, I think they were third last in the yeah. competition for tackles last year. And I think Clarko's the kind of guy that can push that a little mm. bit more and, and get them to be more of a, a, a mongrel sort of hardworking team. Um, the second thing I'd like to point out is their opening month. Now, they've got West Coast at home, followed by Fremantle away, followed by Hawthorne and Tassie, followed by Carlton at Marble. They can win two now, of those, I reckon. Two and two is definitely gettable. They beat Hawthorne right. this year, I think. They'll beat. I think they'll beat Hawthorne, and I think, and and maybe West Coast. I think right they now could beat a, West Coast. West Coast, I think, it's just fifty fifty, considering that the fact that at Marvel, re, reading a little bit about how West Coast are going at the moment, they've got a lot of their um, players that missed a lot of footy last year. They're on. They're on. Mm. They're they're, ba- they're back on track. Um, I think but West I, Coast might surprise. Not surprise, but I think they'll be closer to that middle of the pack than bottom of the ladder this season. So. I wouldn't yeah. call that a shoe-in, but uh, it should be I'm a good game. I'd like to see them win a game on the road, Cat, before I say that. Uh, <laughs> it would be real nice. Uh, that's all I'm going to say. Um, and, and then following that, they've got they've got a couple of tough ones. They've got Brisbane, they've got Gold Coast, both of them are away. Um, they've got Melbourne as well at the MCG, and then St Kilda at Marvel. Mm. So if they can get three wins out of the first eight, I think that's good progress. Mm. Jeez, that'd be huge if they can. What 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 is your realistic expectation, Doc? What do they need to aim for for a win number this year? I said earlier. I said earlier in the year. Uh, so earlier in the episode, Cap probably maybe five wins is gettable. I mean, they've got they've got West Coast as a double up game. They've got Gold Coast in at in Tassie to end the year. Mm. They've also got St Kilda as a double up, Hawthorne as a double up. Um, I think they can nab the Giants in Tassie as well. Um, so that's so that so you'd probably say maybe yeah, five wins is gettable with, with this lot, especially under Clarko. Um, but yeah, that I guess that also depends on how the list is shaping up towards the uh, the middle end yeah. of the year. Yeah. Mm. yeah. What about you, Kat? Tell I me what think. It's, it's difficult for me to see who else falls to the bottom of the ladder this season. I think we'll see Hawthorne and GWS around that sort of mark as well. Um, I, think... I, I, hate to, I, I hate to say it with your mob cap, but I think Essendon's going to be in for, no. in for a rough one. Oh, look, it, it's possible. We weren't too bloody hot flash this year, were we? No, we're not going to certainly be getting better anytime soon. I do but... worry about the Saints cat finishing bottom six if the injuries. Yeah, I can't see the Saints falling into the bottom four though. No, so I think I think for mine, I still see North in that bottom four bracket. I don't think they're winning another wooden spoon though. I can <laughs> see similarly five or six wins. I think is achievable mm. for them this cool. year, and I think it's what they should be aiming for. Um, after that, you know, we're going to see some of these boys starting to get into their prime. Some of them starting to really develop and grow. Um, and I think once again, that's got to be the aim: is getting that game plan mm. under Clarko sorted, getting all these kids into their roles, what he sees for them in the future, figuring out what these guys that they brought in, whether they are going to be depth options or whether they are going to be best twenty-two mm. players, and going from there. Um, I don't think any North supporter is going to be expecting anything major from them this season, but this is the year that is the most pivotal pivotal for their future coming forward. Yeah, I um, think simply just because of how much is sort of riding on. That's right. <laughs> They've had three coaches in three seasons and now Clark goes in. Um, really got to start making a move from here. What I would say just quickly to add on to that, Kat, I reckon, as you said there, I reckon that 17th and 16th will win, you know, possibly four to five games. I don't think if you're bottom four necessarily, that means that you're 
winning, you know, <laughs> two or three games. Yeah. I don't think Hawthorne will win many. But I think that, um, yeah, you know, if North finish, if North finish like 15th, 16th, they could still win five games, six games, I think. Yeah, I think it's possible. I think it's still possible. Yeah, well, who, who they've got, they've got, they play West Coast twice, they play Hawthorne twice, Gold Coast twice. Melbourne, St Kilda, and Essendon. So, well, I reckon they'll beat Hawthorne twice. They'll beat St Kilda once because that just happens. Um, <laughs> I think there's, I think there are a chance against Essendon twice. Um, and sniff pos- against West Coast at least once, at least at Marvel. Yeah, I, I think West Coast at Marvel is definitely gettable. Hmm. Gold Coast is definitely gettable towards the end of the season, especially. Yeah. I, th- I can see, I can see five wins easy with this team. Oh, jeez, bang, easy, piece yeah. of piss. <laughs> I don't know about easy, but I think they'll like I said. Okay, I think, okay, maybe okay, maybe not easy. Yeah, maybe not easy. <laughs> It'll be hard for them. I wouldn't say anything's going to be easy for North this year, but um, yeah, I think it's possible, and I think that's what they should be aiming for. And if they can get there, it sets them up nicely to just keep improving year on year. I could see a sort of Brisbane esque year from them, like when Brisbane had their first year on the Fagan and. They only won the four games, but you could tell they were in a lot of them, and then they made a very dramatic jump the next season. Um, I think if Clark is the guy, they that could very well happen to North Melbourne as well. But it's going to be just another year of that sort of grind of, of trying to win games and getting that improvement before we see that big jump. But all in all, I think this is finally the time where everybody's feeling a little bit more <laughs> excited for what North might actually be able to achieve um, for a change. So... I hope it goes well for them. Um, I really think they've got plenty to look forward to in 2023. Yep. Um, but I think that's pretty clear where all our expectations lie. And I think that is going to be all from this season review slash preview on the A340 podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you stick around for all of our other season reviews and previews leading into 2023 season. We're only about two months away now, which is crazy. It feels like footy's only just been gone, but it's already nearly back already. We're going to have bloody pre-season games before we know it too. Make sure you follow us across all our socials so you know when new episodes come out. A340 Podcast on Facebook and Instagram, at A340 on Twitter. And of course, we have our email as well, A340 at gmail.com. With all that said, I've been Alex Catalano. I've been Alex Miller. And I've been Alex Stocky. Make sure you stick around into 2023. It's going to be a huge year at A3. We cannot wait to get stuck back into it. Footy's nearly back. Oh, man, we love the footy. Go footy.